0: Jesus is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope in trusting Your ways. We believe Jesus is real.
1: We know that we've been forgiven, but we still won't forgive ourselves. How many of us struggle with unforgiveness of ourselves because of the mistakes that we've made? And I believe God wants to heal that. Because if God has taken our mistakes and separated them as far as us, as the East is from the West, if God's done that, then why are we still holding on to things that God's already forgotten?
0: Forgiving others is hard, but forgiving yourself for the things you've done sometimes feels impossible. Today, Pastor Daniel says that it's time to let go of your guilt and shame. When you put your faith in God, He forgave you of all your failings, removing your guilt and shame, allowing you to start fresh. Pastor Daniel reminds you that you have the opportunity for a new beginning. So choose today to let go of what's holding you down and forgive yourself. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Leviticus chapter 8 as he continues his message, Consecration of the Priests.
1: This anointing oil is signifying these different pieces of furniture. These people are being set apart. They're being, in a way, sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we know, of course, again, us as a kingdom of priests... We know that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We saw that in Ephesians chapter one, that the Holy Spirit is the seal. It's the down payment. It's the what? The engagement ring of the consummation of God's promise to his people. You think about an engagement ring is. It's a promissory ring. It's saying that's going to sit there because I promise to one day make you my bride. That's what an engagement ring does. And so the Holy Spirit functions in the same way, the same way. And so, but notice over and over again, to consecrate them, to consecrate it, to consecrate it. So all this is about, this is being set apart for a specific use. And we've talked about this a lot here. You know, Pastor Bill hit it a lot before then, that we've been set apart by the Lord, not for common use, but for a unique use, our bodies consecrated, set apart for the Lord, to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, not just to be involved in whatever. And that identity struggle that we all have, right? Because we used to do these things, and then we've been set apart for a specific purpose. We've been consecrated by the Holy Spirit, but yet we still want to kind of drift back in there to the old ways. But again, each time, to consecrate, to set apart, to keep it specific for the master's use. Now, verse 14, after the anointing of the Spirit, now look at what happens. And he brought the bull for the sin offering. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for a sin offering. And Moses killed it. Then he took the blood and put some on the horns of the altar verse 15 all around with his finger and purified the altar and he poured the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it then he took verse 16 all the fat that was on the entrails the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys with their fat and Moses burned them on the altar but the bull its hide its flesh and its awful He burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 18, then he brought the ram as a burnt offering. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram and Moses killed it. Then he sprinkled the blood all around the altar and he cut the ram into pieces. And Moses burned the head and the pieces and the fat. And he washed the entrails and the legs in water. And Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet aroma, for an offering made by fire to the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 22. And he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Also, he took some of its blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet, and Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. Then he took the fat and the fat tail, all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and their fat, and the right thigh, and from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake, a cake of bread anointed with oil, and one wafer, and put them on the fat, and on the right thigh, and he put all these in Aaron's hands, and his son's hands, and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Verse 28, Then Moses took them from their hands, and burnt them on the altar, on the burnt offering. There were consecration offerings for a sweet aroma. That was an offering made by fire to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' part of the ram of consecration, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now you notice here, now we have a series of offerings that are made. So think about it the people, the priests are brought before the people, they're ceremonially washed, they're dressed. Right Then they're anointed with oil, and then you have these series of offerings. You have a sin offering, you have burn offerings, you have wave offerings. So you have a series of offerings that are made first to anoint the furniture, and then to anoint Aaron and his sons. So in each one, notice that Aaron and his sons were put their hands on these animals. And that idea was, of course, the, the transferring of guilt, That was the idea of it. When they would put hands, they're sim- they symbolically saying, my guilt goes upon this animal. This animal is a substitute for me. Now, again, isn't this a forerunner of our faith in Jesus, right? Because by putting our faith and trust in Jesus, we're saying, Lord, at the cross, you took my sin. You stood in my place for my mistakes. You did that. And because you stood in my place, God accepts that substitutionary atonement. Forgiveness always costs. It always does. And how amazing is it that God would accept a substitute for us? And that substitute, Jesus, didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. Think about that for a second. Imagine you have an enormous debt, a credit card debt. A lot of people understand this. You're just enormous, and all of a sudden someone says, look, I just want to bless you. I'm going to pay off that whole debt. That would be pretty profound, wouldn't it? That's exactly what God has done for us, but times it by infinity. The amount of debt that we have because of the way that we live to God. And Jesus said, look, I'm coming for you. I'm going to stand in your place. I'm going to take the punishment that you deserve because you could never bear that punishment. And I'm here to tell you, no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, Jesus can bear the guilt for all the mistakes that you've made. He can do it. He is powerful enough. He is a sufficient sacrifice. But how many of us, we know that we've been forgiven, but we still won't forgive ourselves? How many of us struggle with unforgiveness of ourselves because of the mistakes that we've made? And I believe God wants to heal that. Because if God has taken our mistakes and separated them as far as us, as the east is from the west, if God's done that, then why are we still holding on to things that God's already forgotten? Why are we saying, Lord, you can forgive me, but I can't forgive myself? If the Almighty God, who is perfect in love and justice, can forgive you, then you say, Lord, give me the grace to forgive myself. But God accepts a substitute, a sacrifice. In their place. So you notice all of these different sacrifices. It gets to the point before we hit the wave offering that not only are these pieces of furniture anointed with blood, but now you get Aaron and his sons. They get blood on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Now imagine you're standing there at the tabernacle and this is going on. Can you imagine this? Like Moses dipping his finger in the blood of an animal sacrifice. And putting blood on Aaron's ear. On his hands. On his toe. Wouldn't that be nuts to watch that? Like it sounds almost like a a pagan ritual. But think about the symbolism. Think about the symbolism. Putting blood on the ear. Why? Because of what you're hearing. How much of our lives are impacted by the words that we hear. Words are creative. How many people have grown up with parents who said, you're no good, you're worthless, you're useless, and then you believe it after a while? How many times why gossip and slander are so evil because you don't even know somebody, and someone comes, oh, do you know so-and-so? And then when you meet them, you're looking at them a little bit like, oh. Huh? We know what that's like, right? Because that's why God hates gossip so much. Because you say something and now it colors somebody's experience with them. God wants to take that blood and put it on our ears. We need to be careful what we let into our ears. And we need to be careful with what we share. Because what goes into our ears change the way we see the world. And we've been seeing this a lot in Ephesians, right? How the Apostle Paul is very concerned with what we say. So the blood goes on the ears. Because God wants to cleanse what we hear. It goes on the, the thumb. Why? Because of the work of our hands. God wants to purify the work of our hands. The things that we do, the things that we involve ourselves in. You think about thumbs... They help you grab things and hold things. The things that we grab hold of. God wants to cleanse those things. How many of us hold on to things that God despises? Breaks God's heart, breaks our hearts, but yet we hold on still. God wants to cleanse the things that we hold on to, the things that we involve our hands in. And then, of course, the big toe. Where our feet go where we walk, how we walk, why we walk. See, God wants to cleanse and cover with the blood, the totality of our lives. Isn't that why Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind? Same thing, and going from top to bottom, from ear to hand, To the toe. It's it's symbolic of God saying, look, I am setting apart the totality of this person to be my servant, to be my priest. It's interesting because for most of us, maybe we don't struggle in all three of those areas, but we struggle in one of them, right? It's like, I mean, some of us just like, we just straight struggle with all of it. But others of us, man, it's like my thought life and the things that I hear and how it impacts my heart, big problem. Or man, I just you know, idle hands get me in trouble or I just find myself straying away into these different places. We you to say, Lord, will you cleanse me? Will you wash me in the blood of Jesus? Will you set me apart to hear the things that please you, to do the things that honor you, to walk in? in a way that magnifies your name. That's the symbolism of all of this here for us. And then, of course, you know, you have these wave offerings. Remember, we talked about them. It was a certain way that they would raise up the sacrifices. It's called a wave offering. And so, you have these series of sacrifices. And then look at what happens. Because in verse 30, it says, Then Moses took some of the anointing oil... And some of the blood, which was on the altar, and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, on his sons, on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons. Now, notice that. He didn't just stop with the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe, but then he sprinkled blood all over their garments. So just in case you're looking for a loophole, In the cleansing process, it's not happening. Because God wants all of us to be cleansed, the totality. But I mean, imagine this. These guys just got all dressed up in in these priestly garbs, God's chosen custom fashion. And then it gets blood sprinkled. Now, how many of you have gotten blood on your clothes? Does it ever come out? No, unless you try really hard. You lose some color if you do, but... It almost never comes out. Now imagine this. All of this, all of these different articles of clothing are custom made and now they're blood splattered forever. Wow. Think about that. All this work that was done and now they will perpetually have blood splatters on them. Because that, when somebody is not only put together but his blood cleansed, God loves that the most. That's the cleanest. It's totally amazing. And then look at what happens. Because you think, okay, we have all these sacrifices. These guys have been washed. They've been clothed. Now they've got the blood all over them. That's kind of weird, but that's what they're doing. And then look at what happens in verse 31. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offerings. As I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. Verse 32, what remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire, and you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days he shall consecrate you. As he has done this day, verse 34, so the Lord commanded to do to make atonement for you Therefore, you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you may not die. For so I have commanded you, verse 36, so Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. So after all of this is done, you think, okay, we're ready to go. And the Lord's like, no. It begins with a fellowship meal, a seven-day fellowship meal. After all of this consecration, clothes, offerings, sprinkling of blood, anointing of oil, after all these things are done, you think, okay, we're done. Let's go, right? Time for lunch. But the Lord's like, no, we're going to eat, and you're going to spend seven days here in the tabernacle. Now, what's interesting about this is a lot of sociologists will relate this to your kind of standard rite of passage. Our culture doesn't do it in the same way, but a lot of cultures where when it's time for someone to become an adult, they are taken out into the wilderness and they have some sort of an, a rite of passage experience. And they say in those rite of passage experience, there's always a part of it that's called the luminal or the liminal phase, which is it's happened, but it's not quite completed. And it's interesting because God does all this work and there's all this elaborate consecration and offerings and then God says, now I just want you to hang out for seven days. So it's like they're in, but they're not really in. And in that seven days, they were not allowed to even leave the court of the tabernacle. So for seven days after this consecration ceremony, they stayed put. They served the Lord. They ate of this fellowship meal of of what portion was theirs. You know, there was the unleavened cakes and there's the oil and there's some of the flesh there. And so they're there for seven days eating. Now, what's the significance of the seven days? Anybody know? Creation. Think about this. And this is powerful. Not only did God create everything in seven days, but now the priests, they waited seven days because they were a picture of new creation. Now, when you think of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where it says, Behold, if anyone is in Christ, they're what? New creation, old things have passed away, all things have been made new. So when God anointed and consecrated the priests, like seven days you hang. You're the new creation. It was a symbolic action. To say, my priests are the new creation. Those who stand before me in the name of the people and stand before the people in my name. And brothers and sisters, to tie it all in. Nice bow. That's exactly what God is doing with you and me. That's what he's doing. He's saying, look, you're a new creation. You're a kingdom of priests. You are the same but different. I'm doing something brand new in you, and through you for the world. But to cycle back to where we began, most of us don't see ourselves as priests. We don't see ourselves in our rightful inheritance, who Jesus made us to be. We don't see ourselves As the beginning of God's new creation. We don't see ourselves as the people who have been ordained by God. To stand before the people in his name. And to stand before him on behalf of the people. And brothers and sisters as we close. That's the priestly function of the people of God. The priestly function of the people of God is to be a witness to who God is and to intercede for a people who do not yet know God. That's who Jesus is, isn't he? He brought the glory of God and displayed it for the world. And he ever lives to make intercession on behalf of you and I. And as Jesus is, so are we. So we call ourselves Christians. And I'm here to tell you, brother, sister, seeker, friend, wherever you're at, God has more for your life than just the status quo. God wants you to be a priest. God wants you to stand before people in his name and God wants us to stand before him in the name of other people because we have been chosen because we have been cleansed because we have been clothed
0: Jesus is Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel continued in his study of the consecration of the Old Testament priests. Today, you learned that after the priests were ceremonially cleansed, they had to stay separate from others for seven days, signifying a new creation. Pastor Daniel shared that because of your faith in Jesus, you are also a new creation. God has made you a priest, transformed
1: and set apart to serve God with your life. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy and the hard reality is if it isn't messy for you now, it will be and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com.
0: Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that you don't have to do anything special to mess up and sin. It comes naturally. You'll learn that the newly cleansed priests came back from their seven-day separation and immediately had to offer sacrifices for their sins. Just like them, it doesn't take anything for you to turn from God's ways. The good news is that because of Jesus, you can be right with God once and for all. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Cleansing. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.